0: amen men thank you so much for being here today how many of you have so much preaching now you're about ready to go home amen you start getting to the point where it's like oh my soul i need to go put some of this into into practice but i appreciate you guys uh being here boy i just got to preach how many of you guys have a teenager here today who's got a team with you boy what a great group of young men we had i think we we crammed about 30 or 40 young guys in that room and and uh, you know uh, we got a lot going on in our world today, but there's hope. Amen, there's hope and we just got to keep training up the young men, which is the topic of my uh, my message today. Uh, the topic of my message is generational Christianity. And so take your Bible's go to First Kings chapter 14, first Kings chapter 14. And I just want to talk a few minutes about generational Christianity. I'm thankful today uh, to have my boys with me, two of them at least, and I have my dad here and so it's neat to sing uh, between my two sons there and have my dad at the end and just see, uh, you know, them. Uh, And I was also thinking today, as I was watching Dr. Getch preach, the first time I heard Brother Getch preach, I was in fifth grade. I was in fifth grade. That was over 30 years ago. I heard him preach for the first time in a gymnasium in Wisconsin. And then I've heard him all my life. I mean, 30 years I've heard him preach and now my sons are watching. And he is the same exact guy he was 30 years ago that he was today. I mean, the same guy. The same exact guy, and he's preaching the same thing, and I appreciate men like that, don't you? Let's all stand together. And I know you just sat down and got comfortable, but I'm going to have you stand. All right. And First uh, Kings chapter fourteen. First uh, Kings chapter fourteen. I'm going to read a few verses here. And Rehoboam the son, verse twenty-one. Sorry, First Kings fourteen twenty-one. And Rehoboam the son of Solomon reigned in Judah. And Rehoboam was forty and one years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose, out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Nama and, Ammon, Ammon, and Ammonites. Now, if you know anything about the Ammonites, this was not a good thing. Look at verse 22. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins which they had committed above all that their fathers had done. For they also built them high places and images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there were also Sodomites in the land. We just heard about Sodom and Gomorrah this morning. And so we all understand uh, what that means. And there were Sodomites in the land and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass in the fifth year of the king Rehoboam, that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem, and he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he even took away all, and he took away all the shields of gold that Solomon, which Solomon had made. And King King Rehoboam made in their stead brazen shields and committed them under the hands of the chief of the guard, which kept the door of the king's house. Verse 28, And it was so that when the king went into the house of the Lord that the guard bare them and brought them back into his guard chamber. And the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was a war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers. He was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And his mother's name, notice it was mentioned twice. His mother's name was Nema and Ammonitus. And Abijam, his son, reigned in his stead. Our Father, we thank you today for all that we've heard. Lord, our hearts are full. We have uh, so much to work on when we get home. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray today that just for a few moments as we think about this thought of, of passing our beliefs, passing uh, the Bible, passing um, Lord what's right and, and, and morality and our Christianity, Lord, down to the next generation. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be intentional about this. Help us to take this responsibility seriously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God chose the nation of Israel. He called them out to be His own people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is, what, this is who God chose. The nation of Israel was not to be like other nations. They were supposed to follow God as their leader. They were supposed to be called out and to be separated, much like the church is supposed to be today. And so the nation of Israel was God's chosen people, but Israel didn't want to be different and so they demanded a king. And most of you know the story in First Samuel chapter number 8, they find King Saul and he becomes the king of Israel. And Saul was not God's plan. Saul was man's plan. Saul was Israel's plan, not God's plan. And so we see the effects of that when Saul disobeys and, and all that happens there. And then David comes along the scene. And of course, you know the story where David is anointed and, and Saul has a hard time with that. But David uh, becomes the king over Israel. He's a man after God's own heart. He's a mighty man a, 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 of war. He kills Goliath. He he vanquishes the Lord's enemies and during his reign. Israel's is united. It becomes a strong kingdom, and they're following after God. And then we see after David, and of course his sin with Bathsheba, we'll see some consequences of that. And the next uh, in line here we see is Solomon, who's who, who assumes the throne in second kings chapter number 12 and israel then experiences for david's sake uh, israel experiences plenty and experiences peace and solomon's uh, kingdom is unlike any other in the history of the world if you do any research on the first temple it it costs so much money uh, if you were to trying to actually replicate the actual temple there's not enough stonemasons in the world. There's not enough skilled labor in the world to build the temple today uh, as it was. And the cost of that was unimaginable. And we know all about Solomon and how uh, he was blessed. And, and Brother Getch, Dr. Getch said this morning very clearly that Solomon, at the end of his life, he had, every, he had been able to do anything that he wanted. He had everything at his disposal. What doesn't make sense to me and, and, and it does in terms of I know the scriptures. But for those in that time and for those who may not know the scriptures, it wouldn't make sense how that with all of Solomon's blessing, with all of Solomon's wisdom, with his heritage, David being his father, what doesn't seem to make sense is how his family could turn out so badly. And, of course, we know. We know about his sin with Bathsheba and the curse. We understand all of that. We also see, though, that something went terribly wrong in the life of Solomon. By the end of Solomon's life, his sons are a mess. There's a mutiny that takes place in Israel over Rehoboam's bad decision-making almost immediately after he comes into power. Jeroboam, his half-brother, decides to take action against him. And so these two half-brothers, around 930 B.C., they begin to fight, they begin to war and it splits Israel into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. So here you have Solomon. You have uh, years and years of peace and plenty. And And I think about America. I think about how we've been so blessed over the last 100 years or so. We have plenty and, and freedoms and we have all these blessings and, and it seems like so quickly it's eroding. So quickly. And here we have in the same scenario, we have Solomon's kingdom it it falls apart so quickly. Israel and Judah split into two different uh, the tribes they split and they're warring there's politically this was bad for for both countries national security as far as that goes it was bad it was bad economically for them but there was a much worse side effect that was taking place. The nation of Israel plummets into a state of sin and debauchery like they have never seen. In fact, From the time that Rehoboam takes over until the point where it's almost complete worshiping other gods, idols are set up, sin and debauchery takes only 17 years. 17 years. What this passage of scripture is clearly illustrating for us is the power of one generation. One generation. In just one generation, a family... A church and a nation can be completely turned away from God. Our teenagers, yours and mine, are sitting in conferences like this, and I'm thankful for that. They're going to youth conference. They're sitting in children's, uh, in teen class or, or whatever. But in just one generation, we're just one generation from turning their backs on everything that they've been raised, everything they've been taught, one generation. We have seen in the past several years in America, a decline that we never thought. I'm sure that some of you men that are in your 60s and 70s or older, you never thought America would be where it is today. It just, all it's taken is about one generation for things to go from hushed tones to not, not speaking in public to now being celebrated. And everywhere you look and everywhere you see, it's like, it's like our nation has lost its mind. It took one generation. The other day I was with my family, we were on vacation I about lost my mind. <laughs> Brother Schmidt said some of you have a problem with anger. I said, "You yeah, have one of those guys." Amen. And uh, we were in the hotel room, and we came down to the hotel. And my boy—I have four boys. My youngest son is eight, and uh, he was sitting there eating, eating his, you know, his Fruit Loops or whatever, in the hotel room. And my wife and I, my boys went down before me, and my, my wife and I came down a little bit later. And we came down; there all eating breakfast in the area. And on the television was this, you know, this uh, drag queen stuff. And on the TV there, and there's everyone in the restaurant just eating their Cheerios, watching this garbage. And I walked up, and I almost punched the screen. But how many thankful for the Holy Spirit of God? Amen. <laughs> I was like, you know. But I just I turned it off, you know. And everyone just kind of looked around. My wife's like, please stop. You know, just please stop. You know. Don't make a scene. I'm thinking for a dad. He made lots of scenes when I was a kid. <laughs> I remember that time we were in Taco Bell and we were sitting there. Taco Bell's God's country, amen? (laughs) Until you hit about 40 years old, then you can't eat anymore. But anyway, uh, we were at Taco Bell, uh, and I was just a teenager. I mean, these guys were swearing behind us, this whole group of guys. My dad said, hey, you guys knock it off. I got my family here. I'm like, dad, please, you know? But I'm thankful for a dad that made a scene, and, and you know, I think that sometimes in our lives, there are some scenes we need to make as well. But we're surrounded by this stuff. It's unbelievable. One generation. How did this happen? Boy, you look at Solomon, the most wisdom that anyone's ever had, the most blessing. I mean, he had God's blessing. He had, guys, he had everything he wanted. He had blessing, he had wisdom, he had God's favor, and his kids turned out for the devil. So what happened? What happened? Well, the first step, number one here, the first step I see is that the word of God was disobeyed. That's number one. The word of God was disobeyed. Look at verse 21. Notice what happens. Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the son of of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in the city which the Lord did choose out of the tribes of Israel. And notice, the Bible very clearly tells us who his mother was twice. His mother was an Ammonitess. Now, we know that uh, many times we read our Bibles and uh, and, and I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I was told, and I think it's a good thing. Uh, read a proverb of the day. How many read the proverb of the day? Anybody in here? And that's a good thing. A lot of wisdom in Proverbs. I was taught that growing up. Uh, many times I teach that to young people, read a proverb of the day. Now, can you imagine this if your dad wrote the book of Proverbs? I mean, you didn't just read it every day. Your dad wrote Proverbs. This is Rehoboam. Rehoboam's dad wrote Proverbs. The book of wisdom, what happened to Rehoboam? What went wrong? I'll show you what went wrong. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 11. Let's look at what went wrong, 1 Kings chapter 11. I know it's a little bit of a Bible study, but I'm gonna bring it down practically for us in just a second. Look at 1 Kings chapter number 11, look at verse one. And the king, but, but King Solomon loved many what? Strange women, that's where he went wrong. Bottom line, he loved many strange women together with Pharaoh's daughter, with the daughter of Pharaoh, the women of the Moabites. Notice this, the who? Rehoboam's mother was one of those strange women. Notice what happens. He loved all these women, verse, verse 2. And of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go in unto them. God told Solomon, don't do that. And Solomon did it. He disobeyed the word of the Lord. You shall not go into, in unto them. Notice, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses and 300 co- concubines. But his wives, they did what? They did exactly what God said they would do. They turned away his heart. And it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after their gods, and his heart was not perfect towards the Lord. Like David his father, verse five, and Solomon went after Asheroth, the goddess of the the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the who? The Hamanites. What happened to Rehoboam? His mother was an unbeliever. His mother was an idolatrous woman. His mom. What happened? Listen, it didn't matter that Solomon was the richest person in the world. It didn't matter that Solomon was politically successful. It didn't matter that Solomon was the wisest man on the planet. It didn't matter that Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs for his own son. When Solomon decided to ignore God's word, when Solomon decided to disobey God's command, it started the path of ruin for his family. And this is, what I, this is where I take home today for myself. Solomon allowed sin in the home. Solomon allowed sin in the home and Solomon's heart was turned. When Solomon's heart was turned, the heart of his son was turned also. And here's the thought I have for us. We cannot be hypocrites in the home. Amen? We cannot be hypocrites in the home. My wife and I were talking the other day and I'll just share my heart with you for a second as a pastor, boy, it's a heartbreak when young men or young women grow up and leave, leave the church and turn their back on God. That is probably one of the greatest heartbreaks of the ministry, right? It's a heartbreak for their family. It's a heartbreak for, for, for everyone. My wife and I, sometimes we talk about it. Brother Chris is here, my, my assistant pastor. We talk about it sometimes. We look at a family and we think, man, it seemed like that family was just you know, they were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They were, they were involved. They, what happened to their kids? Look up here. Every young person has their own choice. Amen? Somebody say amen to that. Every young person has to make their own choice. And I understand this rule isn't 100%. I understand some people grow up in a great Christian home and they meet the wrong friend. I get it. But sometimes, sometimes there's a hypocritical, something hypocritical going on in the home there's a critical spirit. There's a, listen, guys, there's a critical spirit. Men, if you're roasting your pastor in front of your kids, don't expect your young person to grow up and to not roast their pastor. Men, if you're downgrading your wife in front of your kids, and screaming at her, and yelling at her, and fighting with her constantly. Don't expect your sons to grow up and have a good marriage. Now, I'm a dad, I make a lot of mistakes. Well, when they were talking about being nothing this morning, I felt like, like nothing. Well, I make a lot of mistakes, I do. But I gotta be the same person that I am right here, that I am in the home. I have teenagers now, they know better. <laughs> Amen? Sometimes my sons look at me. My matter of fact, if I say something that I shouldn't say, like maybe a little hypocritical or maybe a story that's not quite true, my sons will tell me about it right after church. Dad, you said, you said, Dad, you, Dad, you. you." I have to be the same person all the time. I must be, or I'm gonna lose the heart of my boys. I need to model for my kids what it means to be holy and to be kind to my wife, and to be a good husband. I need to model for them what it means to be a good Christian everywhere, not just at church, but at home too. Sometimes I'll see a family, kids will grow up, and they'll go away from the Lord, and, and I just wonder to myself, what was going on in that home? What's going on? Where was the hypocrisy? There's a critical spirit, and by the way, we're all guilty of that, having a critical spirit. A jealous spirit. We need to be careful of that. A jealous spirit. In the home, we, ha- we, we cannot be critical. We cannot have sin in the home. We cannot let our families watch whatever they want, listen to whatever they want to listen to. We can't let junk into the home. We can't do that. Men, we can't do that. Listen, we can't do that. We have to be men of integrity all the time. Some of us allow our wives to be the man of the house. We allow her to make the decision whether we should watch something or not. That's not right either. We ought to stand up. Boy, it's quiet in here, man, I tell you. <laughs> we can't be the... We can't, well, she said, well, we shouldn't watch that. We shouldn't make her say that to us. We should be the one says, you know what, babe, we're not going to watch that. Amen? We're not going to do that. <laughs> Solomon lost the heart of his son when his heart was turned. He just disobeyed God's word. Well, my kids will know better. They'll know better. No, they won't. Well, they'll they'll turn out okay. They'll turn out all right. They probably won't. Well, they need to grow up sometime. They need to be exposed to this stuff. No, no. What are you talking about? No, it's our job to protect them. And I understand you can't protect them from everything. I remember the first time I was with my son, Max. He was probably eight or nine years old. We were at a Macy's. Someone gave me a Macy's gift card to buy a suit. And I went to the Macy's to get a suit and we were standing there. And I'm standing in line waiting to get my suit. And I turn around, my son, Max, he's nine years old. He's standing there, he's looking at a poster of two men in underwear hugging each other. Nine years old. How many of you guys thankful you didn't see something like that at nine years old? And then my son turned around and looked at me and he's like, what's that? And I had to have a conversation with him at nine I wish I never would have had. I'm having to explain things to my kids that I wish I don't have to explain to them. We can't hide them from everything, but we, we certainly shouldn't be bringing it in the house. Man. And so, what happened? What happened was that Solomon's heart was turned. God's word was disobeyed. Number two, what happens when that happens? When God's word is disobeyed? I need to hurry. Number two, idols were set up. Idols were set up. Verse eight, likewise, he did for his, these women what he does. What does he do? He, his heart is turned, and so he burns incense and sacrifices unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord uh, God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord had commanded. What happens is Solomon, he capitulates to his wives. He lets them into the home, these strange women. God told them not to. Then he sets up their idols. He sets up their gods. And, and even though God was very specific about that, He sets them up. Anyways, we can see Rehoboam's mother. She brings home the God of Molech and sets up the God of Molech. And can you see Rehoboam's mother taking Rehoboam into the room there to worship this other God? And even though Solomon uh, doesn't worship the God Molech, he worships the real God, the God that has eyes to see and ears to hear. What is he going to do now? This is his wife. No wonder Rehoboam sets up all these places to worship idols, verse 23. And they also built them high places and images and groves and every high hill. No wonder Rehoboam goes quickly to set up all these different places to worship idols. His heart was turned from God into idols. Why? Because of his dad. Men, are we we listening today? I know this is hard preaching, but because of his dad. And so here's where it hits me right between the eyes. Where are the idols that I've allowed set up in my home? What are the idols? And I don't, we don't worship any actual idols, but what about other idols? What about the idol of sports? There are men in my church that start taking their kids out of church because their kids are good at baseball or whatever. You're setting up an idol. I said, you're setting up an idol. I said, you're setting it up. Well, it's important. You know, he's in, he, he builds character. and he, Not if it takes him out of church, it doesn't build character. What it does is it builds up an idol. Don't be surprised when your kid doesn't go to church and he turns 18 years old. Yeah. I, my dad is sitting over here, my dad's right here, so I have to tell the truth, amen? When I was in high school, I, had a, I was on a soccer team, and I played soccer all growing up from five years old all the way to high school. I made varsity when I was a freshman, and so I was on the, I was on the varsity team. I was the only freshman, on, or I was a sophomore, excuse me, only sophomore on varsity team. It was important that we came to this tournament, and uh, we got all through the tournament. Man, it was like the last game. You remember this, dad? And uh, I, was, I was on varsity, but I was third string, amen? <laughs> so I was third string goalie. Well, the first two goalies, the first, the first two strings, a big high school, the first two got injured. And so I was, now I was first string. Didn't want to be, but I was. And uh, this game was coming up. It was on a Wednesday night church night. Now, I grew up in my, church, my house, and you, you might do things a little different, but in my house, we went to church on Wednesdays. Amen. How many still go to church on Wednesdays? How many do it Thursday nights or another night, right? Some of you do Thursdays. But midweek, it was important. In my family, church was important. And, uh, and Dad, I'll never forget this. We were in the car. I was 16 or whatever, however old I was. And I had this important game. I said, Dad, do you think I should go? And you said to me, I don't know if you remember, he says, it's up to you, son. It's up to you. And I didn't go. I didn't, we lost the game. And my team hated me and they were so upset that I missed that game. Some of you are here, you're mad at me for missing that game. Well, I'm a pastor now. I said, I'm a pastor now. Amen. I've been in the ministry now 20 years. This will be my 20th year. I don't care about that game. <laughs> Amen. I care less about, none of those guys, I wasn't gonna be playing professional soccer, let me tell you. I wasn't gonna make it. <laughs> All I'm saying is this, I, I, that game doesn't matter, a hill of beans. So but that's an idol we set up, isn't it? Yeah. There was a man in our church years ago, years ago, his kids are all older older, and moved out now and everything, but back there, kids were all in the youth group. He had a bunch of kids in the youth group, and I remember when his kids started missing Wednesday nights for sports, and I remember having a conversation with him after church one day, and he goes, what do you think about this? I said, I wouldn't do it if it was me. I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull my kids out of church. He goes, well, it's only once in a while. It's only this. It's only that. And it started becoming more frequent and more frequent and more frequent and more frequent. Now, 10 years later, he's not in church, his wife's not in church, and almost none of his kids are in church. Almost, almost none of them. And it's not about, not about him or his righteousness necessarily, but it's about putting up an idol in our life. And this is what happens when we ignore the word of God. We set up idols. Hey guys, it could be television. It could be a phone. It could be a boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be friends, whatever it is. Well, let's not set up idols in our homes that that disobey the word of God. So idols were set up. Then what happens after that? Number three, what happens is we keep going downhill. Number three, we see sin is celebrated. So the word of God is disobeyed. Idols are set up. Then sin is celebrated. Verse 24, there were also sodomites in the land. And then according to all the abominations, this was in Israel. Are you guys listening to this? this were God, these were God's people. 17 years it went from Solomon to Sodomites. 17 years. Haven't we seen a lot happen in the last 17 years in our country? In the last 10 years. From, Sod- from Solomon to Sodomites was 17 years in the land. It's an amazing thing to see what's what was rampant in Rehoboam's day is rampant in our day. The digression of disobeying God's word in life, in homes, in a country leads to idolatry. It leads to taking God off of His throne and placing us on the throne. It leads to celebrating, not just not just tolerating, or not. Not hiding, but celebrating sin. It says there were, so, there were Sodomites in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out. And it came to pass in the fifth year, verse 25, that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jer- Jerusalem and he ransacks the place. He takes uh, the treasures of the house of the Lord. I mean, so we see uh, the peace of the land is now gone, the security is gone. We see that, uh, that, that, that sin is rampant. It's being, it's being uh, uh, celebrated. And so what was going on in Rehoboam's day sounds a lot like what's going on in America today. There was sodomy in the land. And by the way, whenever there is sodomy in the land, as we heard this morning about Sodom and Gomorrah, that is a sign of judgment. Are you men with me? When there is sodomy in the land, it's a sign of judgment. Our young people are being told to be tolerant. Our young people are being told that this stuff isn't a big deal. And we as men, we need to educate our, 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 our young men, our teenagers. We need to, we need to get them and, and spend time with them and show them what is right. We need to show them we can't be hypocritical men. We have to be uh, the same all the time. We can't let sin, we can't have a sinful life. We can't have stuff in our life uh, that's, that's secret sin. And and I'm a sinner just like you, but we need to confess that and get right with the Lord and live a clean life. And, and if you've, maybe you're like me, I had some sins I confessed the other day and, and we gotta live that clean life and show our sons how to live. And we can't allow garbage television programs. We can't allow the, the world's music. We can't allow this kind of garbage in our homes. We can't allow this kind of stuff in our life. We can't allow stuff like this in our churches. We can't allow this kind of stuff in our families. We gotta stand up and say, no, uh, that's not, I'm gonna let that stuff in my life. I'm not gonna let that stuff in my home. And we're gonna stand up as men and say, no, I'm gonna pass on Christianity to the next generation. I'm gonna pass it on. And we need men to stand up and be men today and stop apologizing. Listen, stop apologizing for being a Christian. Stop apologizing for believing what you believe. We believe what's right. We believe what the Bible says. We believe what is holy. We believe what God wants. We are are in the right. We need to stand up and say it. In our homes especially. At work especially. We We need to stand up for what's right. Oh, there was a departure from God's word in King Solomon's home. Listen, men, don't let there be a departure from God's word in your home. What the Bible says, let's obey. I'm thankful that I grew up in a home where I had a dad I could follow. And not all of us have that testimony. I understand that. But we can be a man worth following. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Did he not? So let's be the husband that says to our family, follow me as I follow Christ. And let's, let's be that kind of a man today. Let's be that kind of men, those kinds of men. Solomon allowed sin in the home. It turned the heart of Rehoboam. Within 17 years, idols were set up. And sin was celebrated. And we all know the, the history of Israel. As a matter of fact, what we're seeing today is judgment on Israel. And what we're going to see through, the we're not going to see it. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to be gone. But, but, but Israel's well, all the tribulation, all that stuff is all the judgment of God. And so how many of you today, in your heart, genuinely, you don't need to raise your hand, but in, the, in your heart of hearts, have a genuine desire to see the next generation serve the Lord? the next generation to rise up and to serve God. I was so uh, blessed to be with those young men just a few minutes ago. And you know, they're sitting there, they got boogers in their eyes and, and they're just sitting there, they're all tired, you know. And, but that's the next generation. And you know what, those young guys, they love God. I say mean, that's a blessing. That's a blessing, they love God. And you can tell. I asked those guys, I said, uh, how many of you guys are pastor's kids? And, and a large majority of them raised their hands. I said, how many of you guys think you want to be a pastor or a missionary? About half of them raised their hand. I said, how many of you guys think you want to be a, a, you know, a mechanic or, or whatever? And half of them raised their hands. And I just encourage those young men, whatever you do, whatever, whatever God allows you to do. Uh, where's Brother Lockwood? Where you at? Over here. One of your kids said, I want to be a diesel mechanic. I said, I wish more guys would be diesel mechanics so they can fix our buses. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Whatever God allows, I said, whatever God allows you guys to do, would you just serve the Lord with that? And I want to say the same thing to you, men. Whatever, God, whatever you do, you could be a carpenter or uh, whatever it is. Use your talents, use your skills to serve the Lord today. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you do. Thank you for these men, many of them much, much wiser and much uh, much godlier than I am. Lord, it's a privilege to be able to preach to them today. And Lord, I, it, this passage really is a warning for me that in just one generation, so many things can happen. God, we pray for our country today. We pray for Israel. Lord, we pray for our world today. God, I pray for California. Lord, that you bring a revival to the churches here, the churches in Nevada, the churches in Arizona and around us. All all throughout our country, I pray that you bring a revival among Christians. Lord, that we would serve you. I pray for the next generation. Lord, that you'd raise up young men to become the the next generation of Christian men and and ladies. Lord, help me and help these men today. Help us, Lord, to live our lives the same, the same at church, the same at home, the same at work, the same in the car, the same when we're by ourselves. May we be men of integrity. Lord, we thank you for your word and how it helps us every single day. We love you. Every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking. I don't know what's supposed to happen next, but I will say this, maybe you're here today and you've been to this thing the last couple days. And you say, preacher, the truth is, is I'm here, but I don't know for sure heaven's my home. I think the most important thing in life is knowing for sure. I don't think, I know. The most important thing in life is knowing for sure heaven is your home. If you were to get into the van or the car or whatever on your way home, you were to die in a car accident, where would your soul be a thousand years from now? Where will your soul be a million years from now? Because the Bible says we'll live somewhere forever. Help me say, Pastor Delzell, I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. I remember trusting Christ as my savior. And here's my hand as a testimony. Here's my hand as a testimony. Here's my hand, here's my hand, many, many hands. Is there anyone here today that say, preacher, would you pray for me? I don't know for sure, heaven's my home. I don't know that for sure. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? I just wanna pray for you. I wanna embarrass you. But I just wanna make sure everyone's saved in the room. I don't know for sure, pastor, would you pray for me? I'm watching. Is there anyone like that? I'm thankful last night, a young man got saved here at the, the conference. And I have a question for you, a couple of questions. I'm gonna pray here in just a minute. But how many men say, you know what, Pastor, I have, a, I have a son or a daughter who's away from the Lord I'm praying for right now. That's me, here's my hand. One, two, oh, the whole room almost. We're gonna pray for them right now in just a moment because here's what I also know as a pastor, you can do your absolute best and every young person has to make their own decision. So we're gonna pray for them that they'll come back to the Lord. How many say, Pastor, I have young people in the home right now. I need to be a man of God for him and, and do what's right for her. Here's my hand. I need to, make, I need to do that. And maybe, maybe if your hand's up, maybe there's something in your life, like me, that we need to get out of the way. We, just, we need to take that idol down. Maybe we need to get rid of something. Maybe we need to stand up in the home and say, no, we're not gonna watch that anymore. I'm not gonna let, let my kids play those games anymore. I'm, I'm gonna restrict, whatever it is, I'm going to be the man and I'm going to do that. Maybe there's a decision like that. For just a moment, let's just take one minute here and let's just pray right there in your seat. You don't need to move. Just take a minute and pray and ask the Lord to help. Our gracious heavenly Father come before you today. We're so thankful for your word. Even the warnings of scripture, we pray, that you would help us, Lord, not to be hypocritical in the home. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins as we, uh, you know everything about us, you know who we are, really. God, help us, Lord, to to stand up and be the men that we need to be for our wives, for our kids, for our grandkids, for our, our families, for our church, for our pastor. Help us to be the men that we need to be. Lord, I pray today for those young people. I know many hands went up, and I know personally several of these young people. God, we pray today that you'd bring them back to yourself. God, we know that you're the God of the impossible, and sometimes we see these things, and we think, how is that going to happen? How is that going to change? Lord, I pray that you'd change the heart of these young people, Lord, that you'd bring them back to you. Lord, we see a revival among young people that have walked away from you. And Lord, we never rejoice in that. Lord, we pray for them, God, that they would come back to you. Lord, help us, Lord, those men in the room, especially that have young people in the home, teenagers, young kids. Help us, Lord, to be good dads. Lord, to live a life that's pleasing to you for them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. Thank you for today and this time that we've had together.